Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. We're going to talk about questions, that's what Q stands for, and then we're going to talk about some Star Wars news, which is what the word news stands for. Itself. It stands for itself. We are the Sesame Street of Star Wars podcasts, <laughs> brought to you by all the right letters and numbers. 
Yes. Uh, a lot to get to today. A lot of great questions. Uh, before we get to all that, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles and growing to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And as always, we have another offer. We do indeed. Inside Editions is a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books. And as Ken said about Audible and growing, Inside Editions are offering 35% off across their website. If you use this special link, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are continuing to recommend the Inside Editions book, Inner Jedi Journal. It is uh, is out now. It is a great little resource book to uh, admire. The uh, the challenges that Jedi place before themselves to be the j- best Jedi they can be, and you can fill out the journal and, and try to be your best you in 2022 as well. So if you're interested in that, you can check out this link, insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. We do love this little book here, but I love you just made like a 19, uh, early 1960s like do-up song. This little <laughs> Jedi book. You don't know what you got. Uh, great stuff. Great stuff. It's at editions.com slash slash discount slash FC. I was going to smoothly come in and tag with the, uh, the, the, the link again. And then I just fell down on my face. I understand. Let me help you. Fit that out, hmm? Yes, uh, I see. I see. Uh, I Leroy Jenkins myself into the ground. Here, uh, charged on ahead. My tongue wasn't ready. All right, folks, uh, we are going to dive into news. But before we do that, actually, we love to catch up and talk about Star Wars adventures, life adventures, and all things in between. Joseph, how has it been? Uh, it's been a, a very fun weekend for me, a, a nice weekend, but a sad weekend. My wife has been out of town visiting her family, uh, so I have been uh, on my own. Uh, so I've been uh, having some some nice time uh, to watch some different things and all that kind of stuff. I had so many little ways that Star Wars popped into my life. My life adventure was almost like, uh, remember, Star Wars is everywhere. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I'm a big fan of the Scream franchise, so I had rewatched all those films and uh, went to see the new film and. It's amazing how many times, how many different films in the Scream franchise reference Star Wars, including Carrie Fisher being in one of the films, including Timothy Oliphant, uh, who we now know in Star Wars world as Cobb Vanth, uh, actually taking a pot shot at the Ewoks. You can watch Cobb Vanth (laughs) smack talk the Ewoks in Scream. Um, There's a lot of, you know, pop culture uh, references that that's a a big part of what the Scream uh, franchise has already been. And there's a lot of the kind of things that you and I talk about on this podcast and all Mm. pop culture people kind of wrestle with with the current state of what is new and what is old and how do they meet. Uh, And that's a big part of what's going on in the in the new film without spoilers. So uh, there's that. But I think the 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 Star Wars adventure I had that was the most interesting to me this weekend is um I watched last night uh, the movie Quadrophenia. Uh, so uh, if for people who are not uh, caught up on Book of Boba Fett, we're going to be talking about Book of Boba Fett a lot this episode uh, between some news uh, things and some questions. So uh, spoiler town, uh, this is your fair warning that we're going to spoiler town on Book of Boba Fett. Uh, the the much discussed uh, space uh, Vespas in chapter three of Book of Boba Fett. Uh, were uh, clearly a reference to Quadrophenia. I've never seen Quadrophenia, but Ken, that album was like super uh, important to me uh, as a kid. Yes. Um, I don't know if you're a, a Who fan. I know you're a, a rock fan. Are you a fan of The Who? I, I'm a big fan of The Who, but only have seen Quadrophenia in like 
parts, you know, you know, where you're like, oh, I think I saw that during college. It was on at some point in the classroom in my yeah. class. Yes. So I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't taken that deep dive on it. Yeah, that's where I was at because I, I'm a fan of The Who. I was a fan of a ton of classic rock, but the actual album Quadrophenia, it just like hit at the exact right time when I was in like eighth grade and I didn't even understand what the plot of the <laughs> musical of the song was, but the, the clear presentation of a young person going through angst and struggling and trying to find themselves and trying to feel empowered, but not try, trying not to give into their rage. All these great uh, uh, ideas were so clear to me. And I listened to Quadrophenia like on repeat at the exact same time that I read uh, Stephen King's It. So they're, they're strangely married in my mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, but for some reason, I never got around to watching the film. So like, okay, uh, when people are like, oh, the, the, these Vespas, are aesthetically a clear match. There's, you know, some shots that are very similar. Uh, I went and watched the movie and really enjoyed it. Uh, had lots of thoughts about the the film itself. I thought it was a great film. Uh, but it, it put the Vespa stuff and the mod culture into even more context of how it relates to Book of Boba Fett. But I, I think the main reason I wanted to include it as my kind of Star Wars adventure is just that reminder that uh, Star Wars pulls from so many different cultural ideas and experiences and impressions that star wars is just such a great gateway to discovering or experiencing things that you haven't before mm-hmm. and at this point i feel like book of boba fett uh between suggesting you watch quadrophenia jennifer beale's suggesting you watch Flashdance. <laughs> i'm hoping that more important 70s 80s music related films will be recommended by boba fett in this series uh, maybe roger daltrey would just show up as a Star Wars grizzled weirdo at the end of a, a oh. piece or something. Uh, he he's he, he's got some acting credits for yeah. sure. So I would love yeah. to see Roger Daltrey. That's a great qu- connection. I did not think of uh, Star Wars and the Who uh, would be popping up today, but here we are. Love that. Yeah, it all overlaps mm-hmm. in our big mm-hmm. cultural stew. So yeah, those are some of my Star Wars adventures. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, you know what? I have a few ways to go with this. I, I guess it was a weekend of seeing movies and stuff. I, I always uh, am a little behind on the movies. I'm also, uh, I've seen one of the screams, I think. I don't do horror movies, <laughs> scary movies too much. And I wouldn't call uh, Scream the scariest of the scariest, uh, but uh, I don't I don't seek that genre out much. But I finally saw Marvel's Eternals. Uh, so not to turn this into a review of that, I I thought I I, I really enjoyed it, Joseph. I, I'm sorry to put that out there into the world. I, I don't know. <laughs> I uh, really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was, um, hear me out, uh, folks, uh, the most Star Wars-like MCU film for me. Uh, yeah. In terms of the questions it asked and raised and made you think. It was one of the movies that I was still kind of woke up the next day and Grace and I went for our Sunday walk. We're like, still thinking about it and still thinking about a lot of things. Can you get into some of the base level criticisms, the good faith ones at least, and, and say, okay, I could see some points. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, it's not where I want to live a lot of times when I'm engaging with movies. And uh, this one um, I thought was really effective and, and enjoyed it though. It was weird as, as the game of Thrones, not seeing first uh, Jon Snow and, and uh, Rob Stark talk, but to hear both of them say Cersei with <laughs> admiration and affection was a little weird for me. Yeah, no, uh, my wife and I saw the Eternals and did an episode of our obsessed podcast about it. And that was one of the things of just like, uh, speaking of the pop culture stew, it, it sometimes, you know, actors get really identified with a role and it's hard to see that, you know, like there's some like uh, great, great uh, movies where I'm like, I, I love this movie. It is a deep, 
complex film. But also I did watch it because Poe Dameron is married to Padme Amidala, which is weird. Uh, you know, you just you yeah. kind of have to acknowledge that sometimes those are the impacts and then move yeah. beyond it. But I was definitely weirded out by that as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah, no, it's 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 all it does speak to like this wonderful, large pop culture world we, we reside in. It. it is kind of fun. So that aside, not to turn to a, a great view, though, I'll say this. Everyone, director, writers, uh, Raman Jawadi doing the music, grab everyone, cinematographers and just move them over Star Wars. I'd be fine. I'd be totally fine because I really enjoyed uh, what that movie was doing. So other thing, qu- two quick ones. I've been doing some cleaning lately and I, I found a, a envelope in a, in a box that had some old like podcasting gear. The, the early mm-hmm. days of Four Center. Not my favorite favorite gear we had, but we, but I had it and I was like, what is this little envelope from Australia? And it was uh, a listener back in about 2016 named Sarah Rossin. Sarah, uh, hello, if you're, if you're still listening here, had sent us, uh, you, me, and Jennifer, like a nice handwritten note and some little trinkets, little gifts um, for, for some, you know, some of our work she, she really appreciated back in 2016. So I had like an Admiral Raddus, like tops trading card sealed. Uh, and I, and she had sent me like a general Leia, Leia, uh, Lego minifig from like the force awakens, uh, general Leia. Oh, nice. And I forgot about it. And it was sealed in this like plastic tote. Yeah. My storage. And I pulled it. I was like, what? Is, oh, look at this bonus Leia. So Sarah, we said thank you back in the day, but I'm going to say thank you again. Because <laughs> now the lay is on display as well as the the admiral Radis card so uh fun fun thing there and speaking of gifts, yeah yeah i think that's a the star wars lesson on on multiple levels that the the past is always here and it can come back to affect us in beautiful ways as well in beautiful ways don't let the past die pull it out of storage that's what i said <laughs> uh the other thing the gift uh, i got a uh like um Belated Christmas gift, I can say, but it was it was ordered during the time. Uh, Grace and I decided only to do like one ex- one big exchange of, of a gift this year, and uh, I uh, I received finally the the Star Wars Archives Paul Paul Duncan book, the the ninety seven to two thousand five book, Ooh. Uh, the follow up to his uh, wonderful one on the original trilogy era. Uh, and he, he, he's got a bond one out there too. They're, they're so wonderful. These books are, but they're so big too. I just don't know if I have room. It's like a sideshow version of club books. <laughs> like, you know, I've, I, I, I don't know. I just want to, I'd love him. Uh, I love his take and, and the way he puts these all together. Anyways, um, not going with the details. I'm sure I'll reference a lot of the quotes and little morsels uh, and, 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 and gems of information in those books. But the opening one, uh, the opening page there has like an intro from George Lucas, but it was written in 1999. It was written before the Phantom Menace comes out. And wow. it's stunning. It's stunning to see kind of what he almost knew was going to come down the pipeline <laughs> in terms of backlash. Stunning to see what he was trying to accomplish uh, and what he was uh, really excited about in terms of digital filmmaking and, and CGI characters and all those kind of things. And we, we know that as Star Wars fans, and that's always going to be discussed, and it should. But to to hear or to read uh, here, because I probably read it a lot of myself, uh, to, to see it on the page, <laughs> Of him just knowing going into Phantom Menace what he had done, <laughs> what he was about to do, and what it how it would be received, it was it was really fascinating. Just great insight into him as a as a creator, and you know, controversial at times, and not everything executed perfectly. Sure, 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 sure. But it's George, man, and this is his world, and he wanted to tell the story. Felt it was time, and I love all that, love all that stuff. So uh, if you're all out there, if you ever get a chance to to get hold of these books, highly recommend them. Um, just clear off like a giant table for one of them. Yeah, no, I desperately want uh, both of the Star Wars ones and and the new edition of the Bond one with the great Aquamarine yep. of No Time to Die. Like, oh, yes, yes. The, the books are aesthetically beautiful as well as packed with information. 
Yes. And as I've said before, squeeze tofu dry. If you just put them on top. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's the way I'm going to justify spending an insane amount of money at some point is I'll just say like, look, they, they're multi-purpose, right? Uh, they're not just a book. They're a, an object of art and a kitchen utensil. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Paul Duncan, if he were to hear that, would be like, you're using my books to squeeze tofu? But, and, and yes, and they're great at it. <laughs> Absolutely, literally, no metaphor whatsoever. Squeezing tofu with your book. <laughs> tofu. Uh, so that is a look at our Star Wars adventures. Now it's time for a little Star Wars news. One of those uh, downtimes. So, yes, of course, say it with us, Force Center fans. Uh, by the time this episode drops, George Lucas will be directing episode 10 of Star Wars. <laughs> that information finally going to come true. No, uh, we got this one here. Uh, so we are going to. I guess, Joseph, carefully charge head back, uh, head first back into some of the uh, <laughs> controversial topics, uh, some needed, some not so needed last week in the Star Wars discourse. But we're going to look at it uh, from a, just, a, I don't know, picking up the trail and kind of maybe uh, circling back to some of the stuff here. Because I think we got a, a, a rare chance to get some current comments from people in the cast, uh, specifically to Morrison and Ming-Na Wen. Uh, they were at the TCA Winter Press Tour panel and were asked about two big key issues in Star Wars. Now, I'm just going to pull the quotes. As always, you can read, get the full con uh, context of things. Um, but we're going to talk about this here. Uh, on the portrayal and death of the Tuscans on the show, Morrison said their portrayal was better than it was in the films. Morrison said, then I read in the script that we were throwing dead bodies just on the fire. And I was going, oh, hang on. We got to put a bit of ceremony into this. They are the indigenous of the sands of Tatooine. And I was creating a little bit more history about their culture. And I was pulling from my own culture in a way in terms of the ceremonies and preparing the warrior, preparing a weapon. And Boba has never experienced a real family before and the young Tuscans and the old Tuscans and protecting their land. Uh, Ming-Na Wen added, we knew so little about the Tuscans and the show really gave them an incredible backstory. She goes on to say, I thought all those elements really enriched the Tuscans are and setting the bodies on fire. It was part of uh, Star Wars with a new hope, whether it's the Jawas when they were attacked. There's uh, the ceremonious desire on Tatooine to burn the bodies as opposed to let them lie out in the open in the desert. Now, Joseph, we're going to dive in those comments. We bring these comments not up to counter anyone who was uh, upset or um, had issues with the portrayals, uh, 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 the portrayal of, of, of the Tuscan tribe and their death, or you know, not even portrayal. We didn't really see it. And if you're still upset, we're, we're not bringing this up to say, see, see, see. This is what they felt. This is just. I thought it was really interesting, Joseph. That I was expecting this maybe six months from now, but to to get at least some insight into some of uh, the actors, specifically uh, Tim Morrison's uh, thoughts on this, uh, was interesting, and I thought an interesting opportunity to revisit this. So what do you take away from some of those comments? That's a big, vague <laughs> question, Joseph, but what do you got? Uh, I, I, well, I'll go first to uh, not caveats, but additional information before I, I get to any of my own uh, uh, mm -hmm. personal thoughts. Um, I have been a, a, a happy to see that it feels like there has been a really healthy uh, discussion and discourse about uh, the Tuscans and their, you know, very, very similar relationship coded as indigenous and native people from the actual real world. And there's some great discussions out there happening. Uh, we retweeted on the Four Center uh, Twitter feed a thread collecting uh, multiple different perspectives from native and indigenous people um, with, like I said, some really great uh, 
a variety of takes and understanding. Um, so if you want to find that, you can go to our, our Twitter feed or the, uh, the person, their handle, uh, who collected, who offered some of, uh, some of their opinions and collected many others, their handle is at Satellite Tides. Uh, and that's just one of the things that I found. I think there's a lot of great discussion out here uh, from Native and Indigenous people. And I think those are the voices that we should certainly uh, listen to first about mm-hmm. this discussion about the Tuscans. Uh, other caveat for me is I think it's really great to discuss the chapter three of Book of Boba Fett and also chapter one and two and the entire history of the Tuscans. I also really want to uh, be clear that I think we are discussing the middle of the story and we really don't know where it goes next. Um, which uh, for me, what I mean by that is I think Boba Fett's journey as a crime lord of that kind of big question of why does he want to be a crime lord? I think his motivations from an emotional standpoint are, are to me are, are really clear of uh, mm-hmm. he worked for a long time as a bounty hunter where he did maybe, maybe immoral things for people who didn't have honor. Maybe he just doesn't want to be just the warrior anymore. He wants to be the leader. He clearly wants to be a leader that, uh, that shows strength through mercy and empathy and in unity and not, uh, a leader who just you know leads through through fear and and murder and lies and backstabbing and dishonor. So like how how and why he wants to conduct himself as a leader on kind of like an emotional and a philosophical level. I feel like is there, but I feel like with these twin stories of the past and the present, the actual story, the plot mechanics. Does he have a different motivation? Did any of the Tuscans uh, survive? What happened next? I just want to put a really big pin in this to say we are discussing the middle of a story yeah 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 I, I, absolutely uh you you know you've been talking off air of just like we, we we haven't even got halfway to the midway point of this book <laughs> this book of bubble fat it's right going on. Yeah. so yeah so i definitely want I, I think it's valid and important to discuss each chapter as it comes out that's the way it's presented but also mm-hmm. for me the some of my own you know personal <laughs> you know, uh, opinions, evolving opinions. I want to give them an opportunity to evolve and see where the rest of the story goes. Uh, so all of that was just caveats, Ken. Now I have a very short answer to your actual question, <laughs> uh, which is, I, I think the biggest thing that I take from this is Ming-Na Wen. It's always just so great that Ming-Na Wen is, is clearly such a Star Wars fan and clearly, uh, you know, making uh, uh, connections and and you know approaching this as a phenomenal actor and also a phenomenal fan in my opinion yeah. and then I think perhaps the the most important thing is to it's it's good to hear from Tamora Morrison himself uh, that this story is influenced by uh, his culture and I don't think that that should change any opinion that anybody has but I also think that we should speak respectfully about the fact that it, uh, Tamora Morrison is telling us that. some of this story is influenced by his own culture. Yeah. 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 And I think that was my big takeaway of that there. And, and I think you could see even in, in, in how the scene was put together, uh, trying to again, separate the the bigger conversations and discourse around it versus just what was on screen and in the story. I I was, you know, and I think a lot of people were particularly moved by his performance in that moment. I love the way it was shot. And just, I think, I, I don't know, Joseph, if like comfort's the right word or just a little more context and, and clarification to what they put into that moment. It just, it, it, to know that a lot of it did come from him uh, in the process of making this. And I know it's probably a lot has been made of, you know, if you look at his uh, quote here, it might seem like, 
you know, I don't know. I've seen, I've seen some conversation of, you know, John just said, and then they die. And then he said, whoa, 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 hang on. You know, I think we're not getting, we're not there on set. We're not getting the full conversation there. Exactly. Um, um, but I, I don't know. I just, uh, it, it, it did, uh, that whole sequence is painful and upsetting as it should be right. And whether or not people wanted to see that or be reminded of that or needed to see their felt it was fair to the characters is part of what we, we've been discussing here on the show. And part of what you said is uh, so wonderfully being discussed out there, but I just think, um, to, I don't know to 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 know that it, it did have some great purpose to Tim and 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 will have great purpose to Boba Fett in the book of Boba Fett uh, just makes me uh, I don't know I'm, I'm looking forward to to seeing more of it uh, and I don't like I don't like when people are, are hurt or upset or reminded of painful things in Star Wars um, I, I, you you come to this for different reasons and and the setup of it was so well done and that that was probably where a lot of the hurt came from right it was so I, I well think done. so yeah. So well done. And Ming-Na Wen was talking about that. And then, yeah, so I get it. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I just like, okay, cool. You know, it, a lot of it came from uh, uh, Tamara Morrison and, and his point of view experiences and uh, understanding of his, of his uh, own culture's uh, pain and suffering too. So uh, it made the moment uh, that much more real for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think his performance uh, is absolutely great. And I think it's just vital to have, you know, there's extremely understandable uh, conversations about who is telling what story and you know the the writers are not native or indigenous um but it clearly at least at some level Tamar Morrison is having some input so I think that's the thing for me is I don't want to I don't want to uh I want to be careful to the way I describe my thoughts to incorporate that truth that he is saying <laughs> some of this comes from my culture and I want to have the utmost respect for him in his artistic contributions that come from his culture yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well said, well said. Uh, well, uh, Joseph, that was, um, unless you got anything to say more about that, we've got actually uh, uh, something worse to discuss. <laughs> I think the last thing that I want to say on it is, I think this is, I think it is very, very good to be able to have uh, nuanced conversations and to look at things and say, uh, there's this part of it that I I enjoyed, this part of it that I find upsetting, this part of it that I question that I don't know how I feel about yet. I think that's really healthy and really great and as much fun as it is to, to you know, rank things and have strong opinions. Like we don't always need to feel 100% I'm over here on Team X. I think it's good to sometimes have things that are like, I have multiple feelings about this one thing and some of them even conflict with one another and let's let's talk, let's think, let's sit with it and see where we end up. Yeah. And I think we're always, at least we try to be real careful on force center to have number one, have those nuanced conversations, but also never use that nuance to stamp out anyone else's, uh, uh, pain, right. right. <laughs> or, point of view. Right. Um, uh, whether or not we're perfect on that, uh, you out there will let us know, but yeah, I think the, that that's, that all comes to mind too, as well. Um, yeah, but well said. speaking of, uh, you know, complete nuanced conversation, uh, the most controversial <laughs> star Wars thing ever, the Moss, Esp- Moss Vespa of Espa gang. Um, <laughs> Was brought up here. I mean, look, I, I'll say this: not I'm not including the Tuscan conversation in this uh, entirely here. Uh, to be clear, but I do get exhausted every week that Star Wars lives or dies by some something little on the screen. <laughs> it's just it's 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 been a week, my friends. It's been a week. Yes, um, it is fascinating. The, the the most Vespa thing is a is so very very surface. 
Yeah, but with some depth to it uh, right there. But so they were asked about this. Let's get to the hair. Uh, get to the point here. Uh, and uh, Morrison said, uh, some of these things are out of our control. We can't say as uh, performers, we don't want to work with these people. And that's not good enough. They, me, meaning the cast, uh, Jordan Bulger, uh, Sophie, uh, Sophie Thatcher, uh, Sophia, Sophia Thatcher and, and others. Uh, they brought a lot of color to it. I thought they were great. Uh, we're working hard. Ming now went at it. Ever the Star Wars lore expert, I would say. Uh, this is a real uh, homage to the things uh, George Lucas always loved, whether it was the mods in the 60s or Lucas's hot rod film, American Graffiti. At the same time, it lends itself to learning more about Tatooine. And Sophie was a lovely human being. There goes Sophie. Not Sophie. I can't get it right. Uh, Sophie was a lovely human being, and I definitely enjoyed getting to know her. Uh, Yellow Jackets has been in my on in my house all over the last week. I just haven't watched a lot of it, but she she's doing great in that show too. Everyone's great in that show. Um, all right, Joseph, dumping all that on the table. There. <laughs> um, we understand this gang uh, uh, didn't or has not yet worked for everyone. I contend sometimes over time uh, things start to work for you a little bit more in Star Wars than they did upon initial viewings or the initial uh, era in which you viewed them. Um, what's our takeaway from these comments uh, as as a landmine uh, landmine <laughs> field to walk over? I know, but what do you what do you think? Oh, okay. Well, I'll begin with my caveat of like I feel like the scooters, the the actual space Vespas have both. Uh, I think they have some depth to what it means to the characters and to the the story of Book of Boba Fett and to the community of Mos Espa that we're learning more about. But they also just have the absolute surface aesthetic. And that is a part of the power of Star Wars is that it looks cool. And to some people, these space Vespas don't look cool. And if that is your opinion, that um, I don't like them. I don't enjoy them aesthetically. I have no problem with that asked and answered right yeah yeah you know our opinions are asked and, and answered i think what what uh what it was challenging this week was uh not that some people were just like i don't like those they don't work for me but uh that the those understandable aesthetic opinions being voiced with just uh, so much uh, of venom at times that that's always the part that bums me out. Like there, there are little things in star Wars that like, eh, aesthetically that's not for me or um, I'll never be a fan of that line, but I don't ever want to express them with anger because what do we get from that? Uh, uh, evil Sith Lords. Is that the answer? <laughs> answer right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm talking about, uh, you know, aesthetic things, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's been fascinating this week to have the contrast between these, these two conversations where one is, uh, uh, truly about cultural representation that is uh, a Star Wars conversation, but much larger than Star Wars. And then to me, the the scooters, while they do have meaning, can be boiled down to, uh, you know, did you like the aesthetic or not? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I feel like, did you like the aesthetic or not is is not a place where where we needed a ton of uh heightened emotion <laughs> yeah look i i uh this the space vespas are not a hill i'm gonna die on right and and they they'd be simply because i would not <laughs> uh, which is uh anyway sorry yeah. i was thinking about something that actually happens in quadrophenia and it made me ah. mad. <laughs> Uh, as I think I even said on the review, like, and I would not say they are my favorite thing in Star Wars. Um, but I think what we try to do here on, on Force Center, uh, and what I do, the hill I do die on is, is looking beyond the surface. And, it, and as long as, like, if I'm in a conversation, I've had a, a few conversations off air, over lunch with a friend on Friday, like, like, people asking me, going, Hey, so what do you, you, you know, what do you under, think about this? And, 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 
when it's a, an exchange of ideas of, uh, and, and, and I feel as though you've taken a little moment, I'm not saying uh, hours of research or do a podcast, a little moment to acknowledge that the decision to, to, to put these multicolored, very clean Vespa space Vespas, as we keep calling them, I know they have a real name or a, we'll have a Wikipedia name uh, that we can all enjoy later. Uh, it was not just fleeting. And it was done with some sort of purpose and it was done with an, an homage to George, but also keeping in, in, in line with some of the Star Wars traditions. If, if I, if you're okay with that at the end of the day, you still go, but not my favorite thing. It didn't work for me. Um, not a fan of him. We're good here. You know, uh, we're good here. And I, I think both these quotes, we're talking about these quotes kind of uh, cover all those grounds. Morrison doesn't really come out and say that something's out of our control. And, and it's so you know, actors are such a, a key part of the creative process, as we just talked about with, with Tamar Morrison in that scene. Uh, but sometimes you can hear uh, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, uh, say something that seems uh, against Last Jedi or, you know, another film. Or uh, I've seen uh, back in the, the, the old Game of Thrones season eight things, uh, a comment about Amelia Clark saying, oh, man, I didn't know what to do with this. And I actually cried the day I found out this was happening to my character. And I had to find a way as an actor to make that work. That can mean a lot of things. But if you want it to mean one thing. It, it will mean that thing to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when it comes to space Vespas, you might take this comment, but yep, I thought they were stupid, but I had to work with them. And maybe that's the case. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, uh, Ming Nguyen really uh, lays out, lays on the line of like, Hey, this is what, this is what was there. This is why. Uh, and, and you and I have discussed what we feel are the themes. And, and I, I, the hill I die on is, uh, is the, what I feel sometimes can be a condescend. not everyone intends this this way, by the way, but it can be a condescending pat on the head of shows like Four Center or commenters like you or I, Joseph, like, oh, you're so positive, but that thing was cringe. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work for me because we're not sitting here for two hours uh, sucking all the lollipop going, Star Wars is great. We, we, are, we are digging into why it's there. Why is that there? Why was that choice made? And at the end of the search, you might not agree uh, with the choice. And that's fine. I just want you to go on the search with me. And that's what's been exhausting the last week. Uh, and so anyways, I just loved it. I loved uh, Ming-Na Wen's comment. Like, hey, this is, this is why it was there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I still agree with both of you. I think, uh, uh, you know, for Tamora Morrison's comments, like I, I would only give them any sort of, um, I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. Uh, not every question is for an actor. And I kind of like that he's like, uh, you know, A, I would like to see the full context. And even in the article, I didn't see the video. It's just, you know, right. it's words on a paper. And so much is is communicated by the tone. And sometimes actors get get asked questions that aren't really like I like it's weird to ask Demore Morrison about the color of speeders. He's like, I it wasn't in the production meeting. I don't know. What you're, you know, <laughs> I showed up on set. You know, the other thing he's talking about is his culture and the actions his character are taking. That's a question for an actor, you know? Yeah, yeah. Boba Fett, why did you paint those speeders? Like, I mean, that I not I know that's not what the interviewer is asking, but yeah, yeah. so anyway, so for me, there's like, yeah, I, I I need I don't need to spend any time guessing anything about that because I don't have anywhere near enough context to have an opinion. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, about uh, about Tour Morrison's uh, statements, and yeah, and then I just I, I agree with Ming Na Wen. I think for me, um, they absolutely fall into tradition of Star Wars because they tie to all those traditions of of the history of racing in Star Wars, everything from uh, the Falcon to pod racing to Anakin and Attack of the Clones picking out a bright yellow speeder to find one he likes, you know? It's just so a tradition of Star Wars. Um, and then for me, it, it, you, 
that there's that do they fit in star wars yes absolutely for me mm-hmm. uh but then also like what do they mean for the characters what is why are they there what's the point of them is there is a history of storytelling and real life about angry frustrated youth who are finding trying to find a way to be seen to be heard to break the rules and everything about those speeders fits in with that for me and there's many moments in in storytelling and in real history where people like i don't have a lot of money but i by hook or by crook i'm going to find a way to pour my money into something that gives me identity a Mm. way that i can express myself a way i can scream to the elders that i'm here and i exist and i don't have to do things the way you always did and just that just that the frustrations of the the youth coming of age uh, that is so Star Wars. It is generational storytelling. It's the new and the old. It's the coming of age stories. There's just so much packed into these silly space Vespas yeah. that gets to the core of Star Wars t- storytelling. That chapter is called "The Streets of Most Vespa" or "Most Espa." It's yeah. about the community and and how they feel and all that, you know. So I, I just kind of feel like uh, the for the for the actual meaning of the scooters, it's rich in Star Wars. It's dripping Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. No, it's one of the conversations I had. Uh, now we're just moving beyond the quotes. And, uh, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. no because it, because look, I'll be honest. You want to? I, I tried to be honest. I was, I was pretty pissed this last week. I was pretty pissed. You know, I just and, and not the Tuscan conversation. That was a great conversation to dive into. Uh, I was pretty pissed about the Space Best book discourse, right? Because it, it finds its way to you, no matter what you mute, it finds its way to you. <laughs> um, yeah. So sorry. So so uh, uh, part of it, like like some of the good faith conversations, uh, you know, you know, to be blunt was like, well, it just, they were so clean and looked so different. They didn't look like they belonged on Tatooine. And I'm like, my point exactly. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the point is that they, they live in a gray beige world where everything is, you know, a little bit run down and they are working hard to, uh, make those speeders look like that. They're a loud (laughs) declaration. They're a statement. yeah, like uh, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, even colorized uh, film footage of, uh, you know, England, London uh, during the, you know, 60s, 70s. Pretty <laughs> drab and gray and monotone. And there come the mods. There come the punk rockers. There come the hair. Um, again, and, and, and the conversation about what is Star Wars. I, I There's been Spotlight Star Wars episodes. There's you and I have talked about it. It is, is, is an interesting thing to dive into. Uh, to like, hey, what is Star Wars? What looks good? Then N1 Naboo Starfighters initially, or is that Star Wars? Yeah, that's definitely Star Wars. So I, I'm there for that conversation if you're having just a, not even like a good faith conversation about it, but like a wondrous, what makes things work in Star Wars and, and line up with the aesthetic or the creature design, the character design? Why do I, Ken Napsok, see Infus Nest and go, holy boop, that is Star Wars. Um, why do I see another character and go, I'm not, you know, Eamon, Dryden Voss's guy, Eamon. I look at that and go, I don't, is that Star Wars? Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Okay, the other day it is. But uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm saying to my caveat. Oh man, I got myself worked up today. I'm being a little snotty here. The the question of uh, whether or not you look at a frame on on a show and go, is there Star Wars in that shot or not? The answer is, is it Star Wars? Then it's it, it's Star Wars. <laughs> Are you watching a Star Wars show? Then everything you see on the screen is Star Wars. Yeah, I think maybe that's like a really great way to discuss it is Star Wars is this vast canvas and the palette is ever increasing in terms of the aesthetic. Like put the meaning aside uh, Mm -hmm. entirely. Um, 
which I, I uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we shouldn't separate the aesthetic and the meaning, but I'm going to for this, <laughs> uh, for the, for the sake of this, maybe I'm making a horrible mistake. Uh, but if you're looking at it just from a point of aesthetic, yeah, the, the palette is always going to ex, uh, expand. And I think it's totally fine to go, that works for me, that doesn't. Anybody who's listening who's just like, aesthetically, they don't work for me. They take me out of the, the show. Like, I totally understand. I think that's one of the great Star Wars conversations of so much in Star Wars is inspired by the real world. But often what we love is it is so uh, fantastic and bizarre and you can't encounter that in the real world. And yet it is somehow connected to the real world, right? Like yeah. Chadra fans. Cave, uh, they're 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 cute little bat people. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. connected to bats, but you're not going to see a Chadra fan walking around, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, and I think that's always been this tension of Star Wars: is when is it too real world that it takes you out of the fantasy? Um, that was what mm-hmm. a lot of people's problem with um, Dexter's Diner. It wasn't fantasy anymore. You were just in a fifties diner. We have talked about that a lot, and I would understand somebody who goes like. Hey, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I googled Quadrophenia. I watched Quadrophenia, and the, 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 those Vespas aren't Star Wars. They, they aren't space fantasy mm-hmm. uh, uh, changes enough. It, it feels too one to one. I don't like it aesthetically. Like that's something that I really, really understand that perspective. Um, but I also feel like that's been a part of the discussion of Star Wars for an extremely long time. Is you know what looks Star Wars? I think it is a lot of times that tension between. How much is it inspired by the real world, but then brought into some sort of uh, fantasy context where you space fantasy context where you feel like you're uh, visiting an entirely different thrilling world? Yeah. And and again, yeah. And, and there's uh, there's going to, you know, when you're coming down to ranking things, you're going to have things that are your more favorite designs than other things. This I get. Yeah, it just was um, it just I think a lot of us uh, got exhausted. I think uh, for whatever reason, the space Vespas was the one that started to push people over, over the edge of I'm out of here, which is which is disappointing. It shouldn't be that way, especially when there's a valuable conversation going on at the same time. A valuable conversation going on at the same time. I, I personally love the uh, the space Vespas, but also the episode just explicitly spends more time with the gang focusing on uh, their droid parts, their choice to to make these alterations to their bodies, their pride in it versus uh, the just sneering judgment of uh, Lortha Peel, the watermonger. Like the that the episode is spending much more time on that idea. Yeah. Than than the scooters, you know. So there's also like there's this interesting thing, literally riding the scooters to discuss, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, there's some, you know, yeah. I don't know. We can discuss a book above. It goes in some places, but we. I just, I, I reason I brought this all up again was not to dive headlong into these controversies. Just it was just really interesting to give the two stars of the show get a chance to address in some way the things that were going on the week it was going on, and uh, we just thought we wanted to revisit that there. So at the end of yeah. the day. At the end of the day, you like the Vespas or you didn't, and uh, or you're somewhere in between where I might be too. I, I'm definitely going to get one. Like I'll I'll display one, might even ride one. But yeah, yeah, uh, I I like them. I like the idea behind them. And uh, Ken, this is the last thing that I'll say about it. I know you're trying to wrap up, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just I'm really affected by this larger conversation that I think would be interesting to kind of keep an eye on, which is that there are always aesthetic things up and down that, that people aren't sure about, but bright colors have somehow, I think for a large swath of our, our, our culture been, maybe it's power Rangers for people of a certain age have been sort of codified as bright colors trigger strong reactions. 
this this happened. I went and spent some time with this. This happened in Doctor Who about ten years ago, where there was a a new Dalek regime called the New Dalek Paradigm. It's very similar because it was Daleks in bright colors, not not the steely gray uh, that you would expect, but really bright, loud, bright, poppy colors. And there was huge backlash, yeah. massive backlash. Um, this has gone on with very with superhero costumes over the years, right? Of like, oh yeah, we like the fantasy of superheroes. We like people who uh, fly or dress up like animals and shoot lasers from their eyes, but we need their costumes to not be too bright because somehow <laughs> yeah. that has an impact. The costumes get too bright, then it's silly. Like I, I'm not, I'm not declaring any judgment. I just think it's I'm observing that this is a thing yep. that is clearly going on in our culture, clearly going on in fandom that uh, bright colors are a danger. <laughs> and I'm really curious to watch how it continues to play out and, mm-hmm. and see different thoughts on, on why it's such a visceral reaction to bright colors. Well, we're also learning this week, uh, how dare Batgirl not be all dressed in black leather and <laughs> menacing. Yeah. It's out there. It's out there. Uh, it I was a big week for bright color discourse. I think I look, look, uh, I think the reaction to colors and I have a, and this is not a comment on, on any particular show or movie, but uh, people's reactions to finales and the closing of, of, of narratives is a weird thing that I'd love someone smarter than me to just study psychologically <laughs> Studying the, uh, or getting to the end of the journey. Yeah. I think there's a, a lot going on with that. Thank you for letting me uh, throw that out there. Cause it's just been rattling around my brain of like, it's the new Dalek paradigm all over again. There you go. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, you know, I think uh, again, pulling back the curtain, uh, Joseph and I here and, and, and Jennifer uh, before us and, and uh, hopefully again in the future. Like, I mean, we want to really ride that line of having strong opinions, but, but uh, making sure that, that it's known their opinions. So uh, that's uh, that's part of the the dance we're trying to always do here at this Star Wars discussion table. So hopefully uh, we can strike a chord, a perfect chord, or near perfect chord with all of you out there. But uh, yeah, you'll and let I, us know if we don't. And I think in that spirit, we've both said it multiple times, but maybe we can just close out this by saying it again. If anybody's listening and they don't like the speeders, that's totally fine, right? We all have a right to have a different uh, uh, opinion about elements of Star Wars. I'm still going to give you a big hug at Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> Final story. Oh. We're trying to move away from controversy, Joseph, but uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh two names that uh, mm, cause a lot of discussions. George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy. Hey, they will be honored with the 2022 Milestone Award at the 33rd Annual Producers Guild Awards. This was announced on Friday. They will be recognized for their contribution to both film uh, individually and collaboratively through Lucasfilm. The 33rd Annual Producers Guild Awards will take place on March 19th down uh in uh, Century Plaza in Los Angeles at the Fairmont Century Plaza, reading here from The Hollywood Reporter. This is a prestigious honor, Joseph, a big one. And the fact that they will be receiving it at the same time, man, I can't wait for these YouTube videos. What do you think? <laughs> I think it's absolutely great uh, that they're being honored. I love that they're being honored together because they, they have these uh, individual uh, accomplishments and careers uh, mm-hmm. that are amazing, but also their careers and their accomplishments are intertwined. I love in their statements, both uh, Lucas uh, and Kathleen Kennedy kind of celebrate like it's a great honor to get this. It's an even greater honor to get it uh, with, uh, you know, friends and my friend and fellow producer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, it, 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 we're joking a, a lot, but obviously it's going to be, uh, you know, it, it's it's just interesting. It's just interesting, and and, uh, and as we're celebrating 50 years of Lucasfilm still, that still kind of blows my mind. 50 years, half a century of this company that's changed so many uh, lives, right? Just uh, whether you worked on Star Wars or Indiana Jones or anything else or just ILM or anything, it's just all of it's amazing. And then for Kathleen Kennedy to, to come along and be part of so many stories that uh, – shape so many childhoods and entertain so many childhood and uh, childhoods and continue to do that and adulthoods though. I'm still feeling like I'm a child. So <laughs> yeah. uh, love that. Love that. Yeah, and here, and to, look, I was, I was watching, uh, I had the under the helmet Boba Fett uh, special on this morning. Um, and again, I, it's not lost to me that George sat there on a patio on a porch talking about star Wars uh, currently. <laughs> like this was new footage. I love that. He's still around. I love that. He's still, it's in his blood. And uh, and it means a lot uh, to me as a fan to see him and uh, Kathleen Kennedy getting this together. Yeah, all those fresh interviews uh, with uh, Lucas and Ben Bird. I, I know that there's some excitement at the, pos- the possibility that those interviews weren't just for this, uh, you know, twenty-ish minute <laughs> Boba Fett retrospective, but even more thoughts. Uh, Final thing for me on this is like I think sometimes the discussion of Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy uh, can focus just on very uh, specific, you know, creative choices, and certainly producers weigh in massively on the creative. Lucas himself, obviously, writing and directing that's pretty creative, but it's also just a, a, a cool to see them rewarded as producers in being reminded of. Uh, everything that that entails that it isn't just some of the kind of creative back and forth uh that we sometimes has have as fans um i like this particular uh quote from lucas talking about it being an honor this statement he released uh talking about what a producer really is he says um protecting creativity while balancing business moving technology forward to make real what you can see into your mind's eye and doing it all from scratch most of the time That's a great little way to encapsulate the way Lucas looks at what the job of a producer is and certainly a producer uh, of uh, big blockbuster uh, films like Star Wars. And I think it's just great to take a step back and remember producer is its own thing. Absolutely is its own thing. That title can get thrown around a lot these days, but these two are absolutely uh, producers. True and true and through and through. Um, all right. Uh, that is a look at Star Wars news for now. For now, there's always other things going to pop up, and we'll get to them when we can uh, next week's show. Uh, but before we get to uh, news, uh, excuse me, get to questions and a quick break, we are going to look at our Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have? We are recommending the next big High Republic story. It is The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. We will be discussing it soon on one of our deep dive episodes, so you can uh, dive deep uh, with the audiobook if you want. Download that audiobook or another choice by going to audibletrial.com slash force center today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audio book. All right, quick break on the other side. Your questions here on Force Center. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Force Center. We've taken a look at those news. Now it's the cues. Joseph, what do we got? got two questions from Twitter and two questions from our patrons on Patreon. We're going to go to Twitter first, uh, where we have a, some Book of Boba Fett questions, which makes uh, perfect sense, given that is the Star Wars that is blazing across our screens right now. Uh, we go to Michael Gibbons. Uh, Michael says, in our favorite galaxy far, far away, every vision we have seen has been connected to the Force. Perhaps, that is, until Chapter 2 of the Book of Boba Fett. Do you think all visions are guided by the Force? It's, it connects us all. Or does a lizard in one's brain simply act as a psychedelic? <laughs> so a really fun question about uh, the vision, uh, the the guided experience that Boba Fett goes on uh, to retrieve uh, the branch and and I think push through his fear. Where do you go with this, Ken? Do you think that how do you how do you interpret the lizard? How do you want to think about that lizard? <laughs> Other than it is truly one of the 
most wonderfully bizarre things in Star Wars ever. Right? You just think about that yep. moment. Yeah. Uh, so many things there. Uh, I I love I love I love it. And I, as far as the listener, I I think it's it's I I don't know this this gets into big questions about your own takes on uh, God, the universe, religion, whatever. Everyone to break it down. Uh, you know, does the, the, the very rocks cry out and and praise of God if we don't? All those kind of big kind of concepts there. And and the way I sometimes look at the force is that yes, the the force is uh got its uh hands in everything and, 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 and you can make the choices from there, but there's also just something so, so pure about what the Tuscans are, are doing here and what they're offering to Boba Fett, the journey for him to take and, and his right to take it uh, uh, there within uh, their tribe. I, I, so I, I don't, I don't, I personally don't think the force is too much in that one. I think it's uh, all Tuscans and all lizard. <laughs> yeah, I really like that there's a ambiguity. This is the kind of thing where I like to, like, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going, where's the book of Boba Fett visual dictionary that tells me whether or not that lizard was connected to the force? Like, I, this is the kind of detail that I like open for speculation and discussion like this, you know? Yeah. Uh, because there's a part of me, because I'm really torn. I don't have a strong opinion. Um, I like the idea that, yeah, no, the force is everywhere. So if you had a a deep uh, spiritual um experience yes perhaps you were touching the force in some way since it, the force is created by us it's tapping into you know uh the larger galaxy uh, everything and everyone is connected through the force so on one hand it makes perfect sense to me that if you have this kind of experience you are in some way communing with the force yeah at the same time like i also think drugs are real i think you know when obi-wan gets a little tipsy at the bar i don't think that's the force i think it's the alcohol you know <laughs> I don't know now. I don't know. <laughs> that I mean that that's a kind of a slippery slope if you get into this. Like, yes, three Jamesons and I will experience the force. Like, will you? Or, you know, like brain chemicals still exist in Star Wars, in my opinion. Um, yeah, but I think this is what's so great about it is it, it is clearly a spiritual journey that uh Boba Fett is is going on, and that is clearly a tradition of the Tuscan people. Uh and I think I think the fact that it is a spiritual journey, it is is what is more important to me than how is it achieved, right? Yeah. Um, because I think it's it's perfectly interesting to me that that is a force sensitive lizard that causes a temporary vergence in the force. Like mm-hmm. you know, the tree cave on Dagobah and the mirror cave on Octo are physically locked to those locations, but they are vergences that seem to reach into people's minds and find what fears or anxieties or hopes are there and sort of prey on them to test you. Right. Yeah. Um, so the idea that the the lizard is super connected to the force and just sits on your brain and like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Dagobah cave that you can take with you. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a portable Dagobah cave. That's, I mean, that's fascinating and interesting to me. Um, but I also like that it is just of, of the sands of Tatooine, you know, and it, you know, it's, you know, lizard secretions have in, an impact on the chemicals of Boba's brain or, you know, just literally like it maybe just like crawls into beans brains and like, oh, physically, where are your fear centers? I'm going to sit on your actual physical yeah. brain mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to put my little lizard butt on your fear center. You know, um, <laughs> I think uh, uh, th- yeah. those are both like in terms of like the how they're both yeah. compelling to me. They're both interesting, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of both, you know, uh, yeah. but I feel like ultimately what what matters the most is the this tradition of that lizard uh creates a, you know it's described as a guide by the by the leader by the chieftain right 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 uh so it's clearly how however it's doing it it is clearly a means to by which a, an individual is faced with 
their their fears to see if they can overcome them. Yeah, for some reason uh, this makes me think of um, hyperspace. And hyperspace, such a, a technical thing, scientific thing in Star Wars, right? I mean, that's how I grew, kind of grew up with it there. But also, you know, you got to put in the coordinates and everything. But then along come those those little space whales that I, I didn't necessarily love. Uh, talking about what is Star Wars? I don't know. But when you dig into it and these organic creatures with this ability to do something that I've uh, uh, just thought is a, as a technical achievement for so long and to see them connected and to see uh, Star Wars kind of presenting this, the, the spiritual side to science side too as well i know something that draws me in it as a fan so there's something about uh like what you're saying of just does the force uh have these little lizard friends that uh like you said put their little lizard butt on your fear your fear <laughs> button in your brain i i love that idea and i love that there is no clear answer i'm with you on that too and this is a great question michael scott is thinking a lot and and uh it's just one you want to contemplate and maybe again wherever your heart leads you might be what what the answer is yeah, yeah, and, uh, and great uh, conversations about the interaction with the physical world. That stick uh, is real. It came from somewhere, you know. Uh, yeah. there, there's that to explore as well. And I love you connecting it to hyperspace because there's a lot of great stuff in the High Republic where uh, they're still figuring things out about hyperspace, and they they have you know scientifically sort of you know documented certain things. But there's still that like, okay, we're getting to figure out how it works. We there's still debate about what it is. Yeah, you know. It's clearly a different reality from ours, but is it a mirror to our reality? Is this, is it a part of the force? Like, I, I love that that's open for uh, the characters to try to understand as well. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to our next book of Boba Fett question from Twitter. Uh, this uh, user's name is Smackdab. Uh, Smackdab says, clearly the moniker's sand people and Tusken Raiders were labels placed upon those natives of Tatooine by offworlders. What do you think their true name is for themselves? And do you think we will learn that information by the end of the book of Boba Fett? Uh, I will say that this, uh, of course, this question came in before chapter three and we'll see where the story goes. But where do you, where do you go with these thoughts, Ken? This is a great question, SmackDev. I love this one here. And, you know, as, as someone who is um, uh, part of that generation that grew up saying sand people with, with, uh, you know, no thought to anything else, it was pretty much what, you know, you'd get on a toy box uh, and then I was started the you know became one of those people that was like no 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 call them Tuscan Raiders not Sand People you know and and then now uh, I think I'll refer to them as Tuscans of the Dune Sea or the Raiders doesn't even seem fair or correct um, so I think we're seeing part of what this show has done and even go to the Mandalorian has done it's just really uh, forced us to look deeper into these. Um, uh, creatures out there in the desert that was that's how we looked at them for so long is what I'm saying so um, out of that I would both want to know if there's a word in their language they actually refer to himself or is Tuscan it or at the same time hear me out here I don't know if I have the right to know it and I think the Tuscans <laughs> can keep it to themselves yeah yeah I mean I, I think that's my main takeaway is that I assume that uh what we call the Tuscans mm. uh have a name for themselves that is in their language and mm -hmm. you know can it be shared? Do they choose to share it? Do, do We're told very clearly in Book of Boba Fett that there are different groups who are connected but have different philosophies, even within the Tuscans. So it, it might even be, um, you know, up to the different groups. Uh, but since they do seem to have their own language that is, you know, um, that they find ways to communicate with those who speak basic uh, hand language and, and body language and some amount of translation, um, but I, I, I think that there's a possibility that it's not a, a literal 
mm-hmm. you know, one to one, here's our name, here's how to translate it in, into basic. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the, I like what the show has done that Boba Fett, who is clearly uh, trying to have the utmost respect, is saying mm-hmm. Tuscans. So for me, that maybe think makes me think that maybe did did the name Tuscan come from you know uh, uh, years and years and years, centuries ago on Tatooine, however long offworlders have been there, is is that the offworlders' best you know translation right. in basic of of their actual name? I feel like for the purposes of the story. Uh, with this great question is just saying Tuscans seems to be what is available uh, to offworlders like Boba Fett to mm-hmm. be respectful. Yeah. Whereas sand people and mm-hmm. <laughs> Raiders, yeah. uh, Raiders is clearly disrespectful, right? Raiders is good. Uh, at least in the story that we've seen that yeah. clearly that idea of like, we came to their planet and then they raided us. Like, yeah. which way does it go? You know? Yeah. Um, in sand people, uh, probably. I, I think we're all clear on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even the point where you watch Luke and New Hope and you're like, Luke, Luke, come on, Luke. <laughs> right? Or even Obi-Wan, come on, Kenobi. Yeah, it, yeah. It uh, yeah, so uh, it's a great evolving uh, story and uh, a fascinating question. Any other thoughts on that one, Ken? No, other than I, I, I absolutely uh, love that. Uh, 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 Grace, uh, during our last viewing of uh, Book of Boba Fett at the beginning of the episode, she said, do you think we'll ever get to see what their faces look like? And, and I, uh, I have a, a I don't want to see it kind of uh, thought in my head. Maybe some people do, you know, the job was, uh, I don't know, maybe fun, but I just, I, I, the Tuscans themselves, like, uh, I'm good not knowing because they don't really show it to even themselves if you read into their culture. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm on the same page. And that just reminded me, uh, my wife uh, left to go out of town uh, before she could see this chapter, so I get to watch it again with her this evening. Oh, there you go. Very excited, very excited. Uh, thanks for the great question. We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. This one comes from Maptastic. <laughs> Maptastic says, Greetings, Ken, Joseph, and Jennifer. I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary of listening to Force Center, and I'm grateful for the thoughtful conversations about Star Wars you share each week. Thank you. That's very kind. Listening to you three to four times per week over the last years, uh, last year, I've realized that there are many moments in these shows and movies I've been watching for the past 25 years that I've fundamentally misunderstood. I'm not talking thematically, rather what's actually taking place on screen. Uh, The most shocking example is when Luke enters Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi and is confronted by the Gamorrean guards. Since I first saw that scene in 1996, I've always thought he used the force to put them to sleep and that they were pulling invisible blankets up to their chins (laughs) to get snug for their nap. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it seemed a little silly, but Luke is a Jedi, so putting them to sleep seems like a very kind, light side thing to do. Only upon listening uh, to you all did I learn Luke basically force choked them. It makes way more sense when I watch it now, but also totally changes how I see Luke in the rest of the film. Do you have any similar moments or scenes where you long misread what was happening? In what ways, if any, did it change how you understood a character, the plot, or larger Star Wars themes once you learned what was actually going on thanks for the great podcast may the force be with you thank you uh for the great uh insights and story and kind word maptastic let's dive into this ken what else have you what have you misseen or misinterpreted in star wars i gotta be honest this is a wonderful question wonderful story uh, other than stuff early on i i i think it's more about mishearing versus um the first the the just image of gamorians pulling up blankets to go to sleep is just amazing to me. I want to see that now. <laughs> yeah, th- we have hope in Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, we do. Put those blankets on those shirtless Gamorreans. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got to be honest. Like, I, I don't have a specific example. I, I, not that I was, got everything. Thematically, I'm way off on a, on a lot of things uh, growing up. Uh, I, I really want to discuss like the, the depth of the Vader and the, the infamous no scene in Revenge of the Sith is one I just absolutely fought against for years. Not, like, it's like I, you could put the meaning in front of me, the thematic meaning, and I was like literally actively trying to destroy that in my brain uh, <laughs> as late as like 2011 and 12. So that once I picked up on what was really going on in that scene, it, it changed a lot of my uh, views on Star Wars and how I engaged with it. But other than uh, other than just missing a lot of scenes or, or as a kid or just thinking, um, you know, uh, that X-Wing definitely crashed into the Death Star shield, which it didn't in Return of the Jedi, those kind of things. Uh, I don't have a wonderful example like a, a Gamorrean blankie. <laughs> I think my example is one that I have seen other people discussing on social media. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this, Ken, uh, but it was a long time in Return of the Jedi before I realized that when Luke is on the bridge with Vader, that he's exiting the at-at that was pulling up. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Just was that always like obvious to you of like, oh, the at-at pulls up and then, uh, oh, I see, it's pulling up to that bridge and yeah. then Luke was inside it. Yeah, because I was obsessed. I, th- I think I've discussed this uh, on an older episode too, too but like I, I was obsessed with the inside of Adat. So I, that was like my one like, oh God, what's in there? Is there a sofa, like a break room? What's going on in there? Yeah, I think it's one of those things. And I think it, this is maybe what Maptastic is experiencing that if you come to Star Wars, you know, whichever version of Star Wars, whichever trilogy or television mm-hmm. show, uh, and you watch it a lot as a kid, you can kind of get locked into things that you see, right? Yeah. And for whatever reason, when I was very young, I thought that was awesome to see uh, in AT-AT, an AT-AT, uh, not on Hoth. They use them uh, places. It's This is like lots of other shots in Star Wars where there's just sort of like um, aesthetic world-building things in the background. And then Luke stepped off an elevator. And that thought got into my mind when I was incredibly young. And then it, I just didn't challenge it. And I think that that is a part of can be our journey with Star Wars of we lock into something when we're very, very young and then we don't question yeah. it. There was one. Now, now, there was uh, I totally forgot. Uh, I, I used to say this to make fun of myself when, when I was very uh, you know, seven, eight, when I saw Return of the Jedi, that range. Uh, I took 3PO's words at face value when he said uh, when, when R2 plays the message of Luke to Jabba. Uh, and he offers the gift of these two droids, and 3PO gets really upset and says, you're playing the wrong message. I was convinced R2 had played the wrong message <laughs> uh, for a little bit, and so maybe got turned nine. You know? uh, I would love to see like an actual uh, wrong message, like a blooper take that Luke did, or yeah. R2 starts playing some of the uh, Calrissian Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess that would, because, you know, Luke's Luke's plan has always been, you know, you did a wonderful Star Wars counseling about it, but what is Luke's actual plan and all that kind of stuff is a fun Star Wars discussion. But I think as that year as a child, I thought Luke really messed up. He accidentally gave the droids away. Yeah, I, I love that. I think my other thing is, is droid related and it isn't any specific, I misunderstood that, but rather uh, I always liked the droids. But it's so focused, especially on the original trilogy of all the other characters. And I realized after a while there, you know, I'd be watching the original trilogy and every every time I'd rewatch it, I'd be just trying to see something in the background that I maybe didn't see before or uh, I hadn't seen in the past because I grew up with the pan and scan VHS things. And there are some things I literally didn't see for years. Um, but in recent times, I've really enjoyed watching the original trilogy and just wherever 3PO is 
in particular in the frame, to not treat 3PO the way a lot of the heroes do. Of like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but watch 3PO. And I saw so many fun things when I just didn't take my eyes off 3PO because they're, they're happening. I've literally seen them, you know, dozens, hundreds of times probably. But I've just always looked at what's in the foreground and I've never watched 3PO. And like, I was delighted to say, I didn't realize that 3PO would, really a wipe set his thigh in the garage scene in a new hope. Cause I was always watching Luke and there's always, there's always a thigh wipes that you can discover in star Wars is what I'm saying. I am going to add that on the list of things to do today. I've never really paid attention. I've ignored three <laughs> PO like all the heroes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's a little bit of a justice uh, for three PO. Thank you for that. A great story and observation. We're going to go to our final question from Jay Winkworth. Jay says, I've found myself in recent years scratching my head sometimes at Star Wars merchandising. Book of Boba Fett is out soon. Uh, I will I will pause to say uh, we often do get these uh, questions early and it takes a while to get to them. So Book of Boba Fett is clearly out now. Anyway, Jay continues, uh, Book of Boba Fett is out soon, yet we won't have a Black Series figure of the main character till May, June uh, 2022. Uh, there's almost no merchandise for Luke from The Mandalorian, although I do have a sick Hot Toys pre-order coming December 2022. Even some of the deluxe lightsabers from Rise of Skywalker aren't due till middle of next year. Omega uh, being left out of Bad Batch sets. Uh, I can go on and on. I realize uh, these are first world problems and at best a very minor annoyance inconvenience. I just think uh, merchandise should enhance the fan experience, not take away from it, which is what I find Star Wars does more often than not. Do you have any insight as to why this is? Is it due to the general secrecy of Star Wars projects, which delays production or just something else? Signed, an excited little boy who got the Star Wars early bird special piece of cardboard one Christmas in 1977. Uh, this is great, Jay. Uh, some toy venting. Uh, Ken, where do you go with this? Do you feel a frustration that the toys aren't in sync with what's on your screen? To, to a point, yeah. Look at hey, first world problems indeed. But our problems are our problems, right? And this might be something that's vexing. Yeah, no, no. Look, as as a collector or at least someone who just loves to turn the aisle and see Star Wars toys, whether I get them or not, you know, that's part of mm-hmm. half the reason I make the, make the swing through it. I'm not going to buy it. I just want to know they're there. Um, yeah. It's, it's one of the things that's changed a lot going back to, uh, well, I guess what, you know, what would you, would you say post last Jedi, uh, Joseph, where we just noticed it's changed dramatically. Yeah. I mean, I think the the toy industry has been a lot of changes, but that big shift in Star Wars of not having a basic three and three quarter line, but just having some Rise of Skywalker figures within the vintage uh, three and three quarter and, you know, a big shift towards, Mm -hmm. uh, I think, the toys still trying to be there uh, for kids, but but a big shift towards its collectors, right? Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, that that might be why it's like that. And 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 you know, when we have Mike Black on the show, it's been a, been a while, but he also has great insight into some of the stuff that's actually going on. He's such a toy guy, a collector. But you and I have been around the block a little bit too, and we've just seen it change and everything. And I'm with you, Jay, on it. I just I. I know it can't be, and I don't necessarily know if I want it to be like Phantom Menace where that's where I go to get spoiled is my Phantom Menace toys. <laughs> um, but it is fun. It's because it is at the reason we love these toys and I've always loved them is an extension of our love and, and we want to take them home and display them and connect with them. That's the only way we really can. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Infus Nest isn't real. I don't get to hang out with her here. I the, the figures, the closest I get to saying, hey, this is someone, uh, this is a character I love and it's displayed here in my house. So, uh, yeah, but the only thing I say in trying to maybe uh, turn uh, you know, these lemons into lemonade is 
now when something is released and we get, uh, hey, they're doing this figure and it's something we've been waiting for for two, three years, uh, the, the anticipation pays off quite well. And I get even more excited uh, than I would if they had come out the day of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I think I really agree with the spirit of this. I think some of it is, um, you know, thing. Everything changes, everything evolves, and some of it is just, hey, the the world has changed, the world has evolved, the toy market has changed. There's some things that I just need to accept, and other things like, eh, I don't think that's great, and I would love to see that change. Yeah. Um, but I think the the spirit that I'm attaching to this is there is a thrill of I want to celebrate what I'm enjoying, right? And I, I've talked about in our book of Boba Fett reports, like, I like turning my Boba Fett figures around and having them watch the show with me. Yeah. Um, and I have pre-ordered the uh, vintage uh, three and three quarter Boba Fett from the show and Fennec Shand. And yeah, there, there is a real, there's a weird disconnect of like, I'm excited they're coming eventually. It'll be a great surprise as you, as you're saying from your great lemonade perspective mm-hmm. when they show up. But there is a part of me that's like, yeah, I, I want that kind of one-to-one relationship. If I saw that on my screen, I'm excited about it. I can now express right. uh, my excitement. I can, you know, I love as you're describing action figures, toys as like, a symbol of the idea they represent. And I'm so enjoying this show and some of these ideas. And that's, that's what I want. I, I want to, you know, follow that instinct as Jay is describing. And it is a, just a really different world that uh, I can follow that, that instinct uh, by pre-ordering <laughs> and waiting a long time. And I've honestly thought about like, I wish I had the, you know, this Boba Fett and this Fennec Shan to, to watch the show with me on my coffee table. <laughs> just uh, hanging out with friends exactly exactly yeah because it's just this like i saw that i like that i want to express my love through (laughs) capitalism uh through collecting right you know cast your dollar vote joseph that's what you're doing i am casting my dollar vote and yeah i think uh, i am not an expert on the toy industry but i think also uh to kind of answer jay's question or, or or try to about you know why the figures aren't coming out with the media or right after the specific media. I think that some of it is secrecy, right? You, and that stuff is, is pretty straightforward, right? Like the fact that there wasn't baby Yoda as he was known at the time merch uh, everywhere. And then by the time it came out, it was all labeled the child. And by the time that child came out, it was like, it's Grogu, <laughs> you know, that's clearly about secrecy. We know that because we were, you know, told that I think Luke and Mandalorian were, you know, we're just getting some of the, you know, the hot toys and the, and the Funko pops now that mm-hmm. that was clearly about secrecy. Right. Yeah. Um, I think there's a possibility that some delay stuff right now might be in supply chain issues. You know, I, I know that there are many supply chain issues in the world. I have not done a deep dive to say, to figure out is like, can I only pre-order Fennec Shan because of pre-order, yeah. you know, because of yeah. supply chain. Um, and then I think some, some of the choices I think are clearly financial that, you know, uh, armored characters that can be repainted, they're mm-hmm. going to come out more, right? Yes. Yes. Incinerator trooper is an easy trooper to make, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know, that kind of things. Uh, popular characters are going to be reissued. And then I think the thing that I think might change, could change, I'm hopeful would change is, you know, what characters do we think are going to move? You know, mm-hmm. what what characters do we think are going to sell? There's clearly a concern, in my opinion, that Rise of Skywalker is not going to move stuff, right? Right. Um, because even some of like the cool looking characters, like we still don't have a vintage three and three quarter of, of Kylo with his cracked helmet, you know, that there's to me that that's I don't know if that's prioritizing 
other things or a concern that right. Rise of Skywalker doesn't sell. But I, I think there is a there is some of that um, concern about which characters are going to move the needle and sell. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know exactly what to be done about that other than petitions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, letting people know that you love it. Um, yeah. But I, I think to to end my thoughts on a positive note, I do think it is is just it's been so great to see the level of support uh, from the toy industry on Mandalorian and on mm. even though it's all mostly not all mostly pre-orders now for Book of Boba Fett, it's really great to see that and it, and it makes me hopeful that that support for uh, mm. the Disney Plus shows will continue. Look, at some point, Joseph, are you excited? You're going to get yourself a brand new Kenobi. It's going to happen. It's one way oh. or another. You're going to pre-order or not, or go to a store and grab it. You're going you're to get a Kenobi. In twenty, in probably in about August of twenty twenty three, maybe maybe December, maybe January of twenty twenty four. But you're so right. It's so funny that you said about the surprise because one of my Star Wars adventures that I didn't list at the top of our podcast mm-hmm. is uh, I pre ordered him a long time ago. He finally arrived. I just uh, opened the box and discovered a quill. Quill finally came to my home nice. after waiting all this time, and it was beautiful. This is the way I have. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So those are our questions, Ken. Love it. Love it. Great stuff. Oh my gosh. A lot of fun. uh, A lot of thought provoking stuff. And then uh, just venting about toys. It's like we're Star Wars fans. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, If you wanted to uh, find us on Twitter, we're at Force Center Pod. We're on uh, Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, uh, Amazon Music, and more. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. We have a show uh, currently going on the companion the companion for sci-fi app uh, called databank dive exclusive to them there we'll tweet out uh, the links and you can uh, join and listen if you'd like merch uh, as i said oh, i said that patreon.com is <laughs> where you can support us or if you want to go back and get some merch go to t public uh you can um, follow me at cadnapsock go to my website cadnapsock.com for more on there i have a link to uh charities that uh I've either supported in the past or recommended by listeners. So if you'd like to plug into something and uh, make a difference in the world, uh, check that tab on my website. Joseph. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I would like to support, uh, uh, call uh, attention to is uh, there has been some discussion around Book of Boba Fett as well, uh, that these uh, the discussion of the Tuscan Raiders and their storyline could also uh, do some perhaps good by making people more aware of, uh, of ways to support Native and Indigenous peoples in the real world. Uh, there is a organization that I follow called Illuminative, and this is their uh, description of uh, what they do. Created and led by Native people, Illuminative is a new nonprofit initiative designed to increase the visibility of and challenge the negative narrative about Native nations and peoples in American society. Uh, that's what they say. Uh, on a practical level, a few of their projects include creating opportunities for Native creators in TV and film, uh, ending the use of Native culture as mascots, and uh, a lot of other Native storytelling projects, and a bunch more stuff. If you are interested in finding out more or supporting them, you can go to their website at illuminatives.org uh, in general. And if you want to give them money, illuminatives.org slash donate. Uh, so that's what I'm supporting this week. And for myself, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com. 
wonderful stuff. Wonderful choice. Great conversations. Uh, I apologize if I got a little grumpy earlier today. It's just been <laughs> one of those weeks. But, man, you know what? It all washes away when new Star Wars comes your way and you get to sit back and enjoy it all and then discuss it later. So, uh, for Joseph, for uh, Boba Fett and all the colorful Vespa writers in space, we'll see you next time here on Force Center. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.